This is Kate. Welcome to Two Pastors Take a Walk and Make a Podcast. This is Yolando. And as always, we're talking about what is astonishing us, what we're thinking about, and what we're preaching. So you first. What is astonishing you? (laughs) Well, what is astonishing me and what I'm thinking about are the same thing this week. Um, Earlier this week, I had one of those um, NPR driveway moments where, you know, the story's so good that you sit in the driveway and listen to the story because you don't want to miss anything. And um, uh, there was a story on the takeaway uh, hosted by Tanzania, Tanzania, Vega. Tanzania, Vega. Tanzania. I keep wanting to say Tanzania, Tanzania, Vega. And she recently tweeted about what she called uh, hitting the pandemic wall and um, which is, you know, burnout from working nonstop, uh, everything that's in the news, um, sense of isolation, uh, childcare, and all these things while, you know, going through a lovely little, you know, pandemic. And, you know, this is more than um, pandemic fatigue that people talked about in the fall and, you know, late last summer, which is, you know, just tired of wearing a mask or just tired of socially distancing, that this is something deeper. And she had to psychologist that she interviewed um, uh, on on the show. And one of the illustrations that really struck me was that uh, we tend to think of burnout as a battery in a toy. And when the battery runs out, the toy stops, right? That's the image we kind of have of burnout. Mm -hmm. And this psychologist said, you know, if you are a parent, if you are a nurse, (laughs) and I would add, or a pastor, you just can't stop functioning, right? You have to yeah. keep going. And then she used another illustration. She said, it's more like um, when you have a bank account and you're, you're overdrawn and then you get penalized. And so you can spend this time uh, with a deficit. You just run a deficit. And that's where many people are emotionally. And what really got my attention uh, in this piece was that they talked about... Um, two emotions that people are feeling in this time that just really hit home with me. Uh, The first was um, a sense of shame and guilt. The psychologist said that, um, (laughs) you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, and I so identify with this, and I think I've even mentioned this on, on, on this podcast, at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, there was a bit of excitement, right? I'm thinking I'm gonna be at home, my I'm mind organized like, everything. I'm just going to do gonna all write of these a book. things. I'm We're going to take bond. some online classes. I'm going to I'm just gonna exercise. Oh my goodness, it's going to be great. And you're really, you go into pandemic thinking, great. All you other people have really been holding me back. <laughs> watch you, me. You watch work. me work. Watch me watch work. Me work. <laughs> and now a year in, and we didn't meet those expectations. And so people are feeling shame and guilt, right? On top of the fatigue. Mm -hmm. The other emotion that she talked about, and I I really haven't named it up until now. It was so helpful to hear this. She said, people are feeling demoralized. Uh, That is people have, there's this uh, 
this collective loss of hope or yeah, a, a loss of hope because of things like our politics, right? When you yeah. see uh, people threatening our democracy with, um, you know, this attempted coup, when you um, see all of the, the, the racism uh, in, um, in our society, that has this demoralizing effect. And, and of course, uh, people of color are, are, are particularly affected uh, in this time. And so I really want to lean into those two things, the shame and the guilt and the feeling demoralized in my uh, teaching and preaching in, in the coming months. Um, Cause I, I think those two things are huge. And I, and I definitely feel both of those things. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, like right before we started we hit the record button, we were sort of just talking and, um, it, and then I was like, well, gosh, we need to start. And what do we talk? But it's just funny because this week, one of the things that I really identified with was I really like, and and I don't know how to say her name, Lovey, Lovey Jones, Lovey Agi Jones, the oh, Nigerian. Yes. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And she yeah. released a video this week of just herself, like just a tight shot of her face, just talking about the like, same thing, pandemic wall, just like, I don't have it. Like I'm exhausted I'm you know we've lost um so many of the things that we would do just to give ourselves pleasure and like healthy equipment like so many of them are just gone and, and it was just really I mean she's funny um and you know sort of her tagline is she's a professional troublemaker I mean I really like mm -hmm. her and it was it I mean it was actually she sort of was posting to say I don't have anything to say because I've hit the wall but it was helpful to hear someone else who, you know, you're looking at the outside of their life. And so you're like, oh, here's this person who's about to release another book. And, you know, she's always like showing up and, and saying like really um, valuable and meaningful things and comedy, like she's funny and she, you know, whatever. And so when she shows up to say like, I don't have anything to give you. And, and the reality is that was a gift when you're thinking like, oh, also me, or I'm not alone, or it's not just that I am failing at living in a pandemic because the reality is like, it's just hard. And the thing I love the most is she, she did this little, I mean, I would call it a rant, but it was just like a low energy rant, which is mm. where I am. <laughs> I need a low energy rant. And, um, and she's like, okay, that's all I have to say. And she busts out and then she opened it back up again. She's like, the Zooms, like I can't handle the Zooms. <laughs> I know we need them, but I just can't. It was just funny. I was like, it's true. Like, I just, I mean, where, and we've talked about that. Like, where would we be if we didn't have this technology? I, I mean, literally, we wouldn't be able to do this right now. And, and this is bringing, you know, just solace and energy and joy into my life. And yet, um, <laughs> and yet <laughs> the Zooms. And it's funny because all this week, uh, we're really for the past couple of weeks, I've been working on getting some some small groups together for the Grove. And it's just so hard. I think you know, people have been saying to me, we, we need connection. We need small groups. We need this. And then, and I'm not mad because I'm, I'm people. I mean, this is me too. Like then when you go to people and go like, okay, do you want to be a part of this? And, and the answer is like, no, like I, <laughs> like, I know this is what I need mm -hmm. and I just don't want to do it. I don't have any energy. And so it's just such a weird catch 22 that like, 
our so many of the things our best options for them are just still not that great and yet that's still where we are and it, it's just a really hard it's hard space which I mean on the one hand I, I should have more um, just generosity of spirit for people who are just at the point where they're like I just can't this isn't happening anymore is as for me in my house the pandemic is over and I and I think you know part of that is just people people can't they hit the wall they can't do it anymore so um I think we have to have compassion you know because I I have a lot of resources and margin and support that other people don't have and it's just it's hard on top of hard on top of hard and I think as a pastor it's tricky because on the one hand you want to show up in a way in an authentic way to pour into other people and to be a place of hope and grounding and reorientation for people and that and that's real and sincere and that's not where I live all the time Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have to Mm -hmm talk myself back in there and I have to go to other people and like, you know, so like it can feel disingenuous. I mean, on the one hand, no one needs to hear anybody else complain about how hard it is, much less someone that they're turning to, you know, to find a way to get through. On the other hand, it's important to say if anybody is suffering under the delusion that like I am doing okay, I mean, I am, but I'm not. And I, you know, so I think acknowledging that pandemic wall is really helpful. And I mean, our friend Jessica Patchett, like one of her, her things that she tries to say to people all the time is, you know, three words, it's a pandemic, three words, lower your expectations. Mm. (laughs) That's so hard. I think, I mean, to your point, I don't really have a hard time lowering my expectations of other people, but I have a very hard time lowering my expectations of oh, myself. Oh, that's a word. That's a word. And that yes. is hard. <laughs> and when you don't lower your expectations of yourself, then everybody around you can't lower their own expectations of themselves. Like it's just um, really difficult that, um, so yeah, I'm with you. I just- begin our worship video every week with the words, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And when I say those words in front of the camera, I genuinely mean it and feel it. Yeah. And they make me smile. And so when people click on our video, they see smiling, happy pastor. And I've had to say to folks like, okay, That's very real, (laughs) but let me also tell you about the flip side of that. Like Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm struggling. I'm tired. I have low energy. Some days I have a hard time just doing some very simple tasks and you just need to know that. Well, and I think, yeah, it's real, but it's not spontaneous. Like it took effort to put yourself in that Mm -hmm. space. And I think that's just important to, I think, you know, in some seasons, it is effortless in this season. It is not. And I mean, sort of like exercising. I think there are some people I'm married to one of them who it's not effortless for him to get up and exercise every day, but it's not a battle. Like it's Mm -hmm. just, Mm -hmm. and, and for me, 
I never, ever want to do it. Now, once I do it, I'm always glad I did. It always yes. brings great benefit. And so a lot of times you make yourself do something, not because it's what you authentically want, but because you're, 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 you have a knowledge that tells you that following your wants in this moment is actually not a fruitful path. And so I think sort of that orientation of, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to say what I know is true, even though I don't feel it. And then my feeling catches up with my knowing. And so that is a great strategy, but not always. Sometimes you just Yeah. And it. I think that's where, um, we come in in terms of the resources of the Christian faith, because I think, not think, I know there are resources that we have as Christians to help us hope on purpose, intentionally, mm -hmm. to help us have joy intentionally, right? Um, to receive grace intentionally, right? If we're feeling shame and guilt, well, the Christian faith has resources. If you're feeling demoralized, the Christian faith has resources, mm -hmm. but it's not automatic. It has to be intentional. Right. And I think it's just hard because it's not fake. And I think that's what people, you know, understandably think like, well, you're just telling me to be fake. You're just telling me to um, mm. lie to myself and other people and say, I don't feel the way that I feel. And that's not it. I mean, the reality is scripture I mean, half generously um, or not generously, half of the Psalms are people showing up before God and being like, I'm angry, I'm mad, I'm confused. Where the heck are you? You, you know, so it's not about pretending that you don't have the feelings that you're having, but it is about saying that the feelings I'm having right now are not um, indicator of ultimate reality, right? Like, um, so I, I think that that's just a hard, um, a hard space. Um, but yes, pandemic wall, I'm on it. I'm at it. I'm in it. And also like, I mean, I think it's just that very weird sense of like, I mean, nobody needs to like send me, <laughs> send me therapy. Like I'm okay. I'm just not okay. <laughs> like I'm just not okay right now. And that's okay. Yeah. And now is not forever. And I'll, I'll catch a second wind. I'll, you know, we'll keep adapting. We'll keep growing like whatever lies ahead. God will be sufficient in it. And also this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm reminded of the words of Paul. I'm pressed, but not crushed, right? Persecuted, not abandoned, struck down, not destroyed. Um, his grace is sufficient. I, I will be okay. Um, yeah. I'm not okay, yeah. but I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah, so pandemic wall. Well, me too. I, I do think like the astonishment portion is you're like, oh, once again, I realize that I had an expectation that somehow at, like humanity didn't apply to me. Like I had an expectation that I could get through this whole pandemic, you know, without, you know, falling in the same pits and traps and frustrations that everyone else in the world did. And that's not the gospel. The gospel isn't, we don't suffer. The gospel is Jesus comes and is with us in our suffering. And that's, you know, um, and I mean, again, like I'm suffering either way. So I still have much, much cause to rejoice that I'm not suffering alone and I'm not suffering without hope. Um, so. Yeah. Part of the astonishment for me is once again, <laughs> 
it's been revealed to me how much I rely upon myself, my own energy, my own sense of gifting. And in this pandemic, you will hit a wall. Um, and just the other day, in my absolute fatigue, I just breathed out a prayer. I mean, it was just a one line, kind of God help me with this, right? And within hours, there was a turnaround. And like, I'm astonished once again by the grace and goodness of God, the reality of God's presence, the, um, the kindness of God, um, the strength of God in my weakness, that the things we hold, the things we proclaim um, are not held and proclaimed because we are preachers, right? I, sometimes people um, uh, say to me, whether um, directly or indirectly, it's like, yeah, you're supposed to say that. You're supposed to believe that because you're a preacher. It's like, no, I no. say these things. I believe these things because I really believe they're true. I know they are true. Because this is who I experienced Jesus to be, not as yes. a preacher, but as a follower. And in my own life, I have ways of forgetting and God reminds me <laughs> and I'm astonished by that and, and renewed in that as well. And also just, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, we both have processes whereby we identify like, okay, what, what's the word that God has for our congregations and how do we, you know, how do we not just wake up on Monday and stick our finger up in the air and go, what do I preach this week? But like, how do I really seek and inquire of the Lord and have a plan to, to use the preaching moment to grow sort of the depth and integrity and health of the congregation. So, so we do that. And, and yet, I mean, let's just be astonished for a minute that this is a reality um, that we're both experiencing. And, and I mean, I'm not acknowledging that in my preaching. And I mean, isn't it interesting? Like it is these secular sources that are naming that truth and just what relief comes in hearing that truth be named. And yet, you know, as is often the way, like, you know, the, the, I mean, Jesus isn't behind, but the church body of Christ is a little bit of behind and saying like, you might have an agenda of like how you want to, you know, just as individually, we have an agenda of how we want to grow or change or, you know, blossom during the pandemic. And we have that same for our congregation. But the reality is right now, what, what we probably need to do most of all is not try to be more, do more, become more, but just, you know, witness to people that where you are right now, um, the truth of where you are right now, Jesus meets you in that truth and um, you're not doing it wrong and you're not failing. And it's not that if you loved Jesus better, you'd be happier right now. This is hard. Um, so I'm just you're not doing it when... wrong unless you're storming the Capitol building, then you're doing it wrong. <laughs> I mean, but I do think it's interesting because like ultimately what's that action about? That action is about like, well, reality isn't okay. So I'm going to change it. And I think like, I mean, that's an, an extreme example of, you know, violence and force. But I also think, you know, we do it in other ways that are much more um, socially acceptable. Like I don't like my reality. So, you know, I'm going to get up and whatever, I'll start a new business and that'll fix me or I'll find a new boo and that'll fix me or I'll, but you know, like whatever 
it's still just about saying like where I am is not okay. So I'm going to change it as opposed to saying like where I am is where I am. Jesus is meeting me here. Um, and, and how can I, how can I, um, ask the Holy spirit to make me aware of Jesus's presence and find my, my healing and my abundance in Jesus and not in, not in my circumstances. Mm. Um, which, I mean, I think that's exactly what Paul is saying in that passage in second Corinthians is like, there's a lot going on in my life and it's real, but there is a reality within that, that is, um, abundant and good and life-giving so that I can rejoice. And mm. so anyway, um, what, so that's what you're thinking about. We're both astonished about that. I'm thinking about Ash Wednesday and I'll just say really briefly, um, you Look know, connected. planning ahead and being all, <laughs> I'm well, I mean, so Lent tired, is... but I'm on top of things. Go no. ahead. I'm, I'm mad at you. Go ahead <laughs> with your bad self. <laughs> well, I mean, Lent is right around the corner. And I do think, what? I mean, given everything that we're talking about, like, I mean, the last thing anybody feels like doing is a season of like introspection and spiritual growth and discipline and whatever. And yet sort of thinking about like, well, it's coming. And, um, and, and I think it's not a, you know, it's, it's not a test. It's not a trap. It's not penance or payment. Like there's something good and holy um, about this season always and I think not in spite of what we're going through right now but because of what we're going through right now so like what I mean and maybe this is it like maybe Lent is a way that we can acknowledge that we've hit the wall and look for where God is and you know anyway but I I don't know I I haven't thought about Lent, Lent at large I've just been thinking about Ash Wednesday which is February 17th and um you know so Ash Wednesday is the day that begins the 40 day countdown to Easter. And that does not count the Sundays, which are always the Lord's day. And it's this 40 days of preparation, um, which in the early church was used as a time to prepare people for baptism. So mm -hmm. it was a time of like really intentional teaching and um, helping people honestly to make um, to know what they were committing to when they chose baptism um, in Christ, that would presume usually happen on on Holy Saturday, the day before Easter. Um, and so, some traditions, some Christian traditions, don't use that at all anymore. Some some do, and and it's not that as as many things. It's not that it's necessary, but it is that it is a way that God can add meaning and presence into our lives if we offer it up to God. And so um, Ash Wednesday is the first day. And traditionally, um, you would go for worship at some point in that day. And um, it's based on sort of the practice of mourning where you would um, sit in sackcloth and ashes. And it, it is a time to come before the Lord and um, really look at both your sinfulness and um, your mortality. Mm -hmm. um, and so the ashes function in, in both of those ways. Um, and, and normally um, the pastor would make a mark in, of ashes on the penitent's forehead and then you go into the season. Um, so if, if people don't know what Lent is, that's 
kind of what it is in Ash Wednesday. And I, and, and I love night church um, and I love these special moments um, that just add layers of meaning into our faith and connect us with those who have come before. Um, but I was thinking about it this year because, you know, right now, normally um, you, you, you call people together on that night and you try to get them to look beneath the surface of life at the reality of um, just sort of the destructiveness of sin and the fleetingness of life. And I just feel like, okay, well, guess what? People don't need any help seeing right now. <laughs> like people do not need any help seeing and despairing over the destructiveness of sin in their lives and in the world and in the fleetingness of life and the impermanence of our earthly lives. Like people don't need help seeing that. And normally we're trying to help people see that. Um, so I was just thinking about like, what do you do on Ash Wednesday in a season where nobody needs any more ashes, right? And what do you do on Ash Wednesday, you know, calling people together and asking them to, to remember that they were made from dust and will return from dust in the context of more than 400,000 people dying of a pandemic that, you know, there's no end of sight, like in and of itself, um, right now that that's just traumatic so many people dying that we haven't even been able to gather and mourn and go through our rituals that bring healing and peace and consolation and so you know i just feel like um ash wednesday this year both needs to acknowledge the magnitude of the loss that surrounds us because not to acknowledge that would be tone deaf um and then also, you know, we'll, we never grow past a need to sit with the sober reality of our own sin and mortality. But this year, I feel like people need, what, what we don't need is to see what makes us despair. What we need is help seeing hope, right? What we need are rituals that help us feel like we have strength and reason to continue walking on in this season um, with when so much has been uncovered to us. And so I've just been thinking about what, you know, what that will look like for us this year. And um, one thing is, I think we're going to add an element to the ritual, which, and it's all going to be virtual. Like we can't say that we're going to acknowledge the reality of all the people who have died at COVID, but but then call people together and risk more death. I mean, can't do that. So it all has to be virtual. That's part of honoring the people who um, have died. And, and so I think we're gonna give people, um, you know, little bits of ashes and, and instead of them being anointed by me or another faith leader, there'll just be a time in the service where people will anoint themselves and maybe anoint one another with ashes. But I also think that we are gonna give out um, strips of cloth and little vials of oil. And we're going to remind people that we're entering into the season of Lent, which does acknowledge the reality of all that we're facing. Like if, mm -hmm. if we feel like sometimes Christianity in popular culture encourages people to be fake and pretend that things are okay that are not okay. Like that's not, um, that's not true. Like we have these um, ancient traditions that absolutely acknowledge the reality of um, human suffering and alienation and separation. Um, so we walk into the season that allows us to tell the truth about the wall that we're at, um, that maybe we're always at, but we just 
kind of numb it with different pleasure. Mm. Um, that was good. But, um, but also we don't have to pretend as we walk towards Easter, as we walk towards Good Friday, we don't have to pretend that we don't know what's going to happen on Sunday morning, right? So one of the things that allows us to face our reality is knowing um, the revelation of the empty tomb. And so I think at the end of Ash Wednesday, you know, normally we just send people out in silence. Um, and as, and we all sort of jokingly talk about like, it's this awkward thing about like, what do I do with this cross on my forehead now? Like, when do I wipe it off? And that feels mm -hmm. odd. But I think that this year we're going to invite in the context of worship um, people to take some oil and put it on a piece of cloth, um, a piece of cloth that symbolizes the grave clothes of Jesus that were folded up and put in the corner because they weren't needed anymore. And the oil that is um, symbolic of the oil of gladness that Jesus, that God promises those who mourn and, and invite people to remove the mark of ashes with the oil of gladness, with this cloth that symbolizes Jesus's conquering of death, not just for himself, but for all of us. And to say like, let's enter into this season of Lent. Let's acknowledge that we're at the wall and the wall is overwhelming. And also in Jesus, we have the strength to keep walking not just towards the cross, but towards the empty tomb on the other mm. side of the cross. So that, so something like that. I'm thinking about that's that. good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Lent is crossed. Um, not Lent, but um, Ash Wednesday has crossed my mind as well. And I've been thinking about um, an ashless Ash Wednesday and what it would be like to um, observe Ash Wednesday without any ashes. Um, because in my mind, we're, we're already in sackcloth and ashes. We're already, we're already mm -hmm. there. Um, but I like the symbolic action that you've just described of, um, you've just described of, of wiping away the ashes with the grave clothes of Jesus with, the, um, with also the oil of gladness. That's really beautiful and powerful. Um, well, and it comes straight, I mean, like it comes straight from our tradition, right? Like yeah. these things mm -hmm. do belong together. Um, and I think of all the years, again, like most of the time we kind of, I think often, particularly as kind of, as Americans who, you know, if things are going well for us, we kind of live in this, um, fake reality that things are fine when they're not fine. Um, so, uh, and I think, you know, you hear lots of people saying like, I don't want to go back to that fake reality. Like things were not fine before the pandemic, what the pandemic does hasn't created suffering as much as just revealed, revealed it and like stripped away some of the, um, stopgap ways that people were just running on empty, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. all of the ways that people were burned out, but they were parents and teachers and nurses and, and just doing it anyway. And, and it's made that not possible, but it hasn't created the brokenness that's been stealing and killing and destroying lives. It's just uncovered it. And so we don't want to go back to what we had before, but we do want to figure out a way that we can live in truth and love and hope in light of reality and participate in what God is doing to redeem reality. So anyway, well, what are you preaching about? This Sunday, I'm actually preaching from the lectionary. Uh, for those who are not familiar with the lectionary, it's um, uh, a preset list of scriptures to be read and potentially preached uh, throughout the year uh, that uh, various uh, Christian denominations um, hold. And um, 
I, I usually do not preach the lectionary, uh, but this week uh, it continues uh, a reading in Mark. Let's see, Jesus really first public action uh, in his ministry. He's in the synagogue. Uh, he's teaching and people are astonished at his teaching because he has authority. And um, there's a man with an unclean spirit, a demonic spirit who cries out and Jesus tells the spirit to be quiet and leave the man and people are, well, their minds are just blown uh, by Jesus' action. And um, so I'm wrestling with, <laughs> and I need to write a sermon today because it's Saturday, but, you know, Jesus' authority um, and, and the text right before this one that I preached last week was Jesus announcing good news, the good news mm -hmm. of the kingdom of God, that, that God is now in Jesus fulfilling the promise to um, restore the earth from the fall, right? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and this is part of what it looks like. It means that if God is taking over, that means the what the enemy has set up is on the way out. And Jesus' symbolic action of casting out a demon uh, illustrates that. And, and I'm wrestling with, so what, what does that mean in the midst of a pandemic? What, is, what does that mean? Um, in our small group last week, one of our members said that when she has to drive various places from her house, that she passes this church, the same church, uh, every day she goes anywhere. And they have a sign out now that says, God is still in control. And she said that brings her a great deal of comfort. Mm -hmm. And um, so I'm wrestling with the authority of Jesus in the midst of this pandemic that um, clearly in many ways, we feel out of control. We never right. were in control, but there were things that made us- But feel now we know it. Now we know it. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And so what we have left is this good news of the kingdom that um, this, this, um, this pain, this um, shadow of death that we sense uh, so very clearly and painfully right now, this is on the way out. And um, look at Jesus uh, here um, casting out this demon as an example. I mean, the song that has been running on through my head a long time, um, and it's not even, but often, and it, your sermon reminds me of that. And um, it's just, it, the chorus is just, God is up to something, God is up to something, mm -hmm. God is up to something right now. And I think, um, you know, that is a deceptively simple song. It's a deceptively simple idea, but but grounding our lives in that reality that God is up to something. And so, you know, our choice is to be aligned with what God is up to or to make decisions based upon our fear of, you know, the forces that are on their way out, our fear mm -hmm. and respect for, for the forces that are on the way out. And I think, you know, that that's the big question because it, because if God weren't up to something, it would be foolish to align ourselves against the demonic powers of destruction, of hate, of greed, of self. But if God is up to something, then it's foolish to live our lives as if they will have ultimate power. And, um, you know, I think 
when you start to take Paul seriously, when he says like our enemy is not flesh and blood, but against these powers and principalities, then our life just becomes um, a growing awareness of what powers are at play and how, and which powers we want to line up behind, like which powers we want to. And the reality is that we're not only um, combating these powers, these powers are also in us. Sure. One of the illustrations that I'm using is when I was a kid in the early mid eighties in the summertime, you could almost always find me in a pair of knee high tube socks. And we could, uh, we not could, we often played in a field near my house and you could not get through that field without these little dry, um, uh, thorny burrs sticking Mm, to your socks. And we do not pass through this world without the enemy Mm. somehow attaching um, mm-hmm. to us. And so when you read the biblical narrative, you know, Old Testament, you see here, read some things about demons here and there. But when you get to the ministry of Jesus and this proclamation of the kingdom, you get all this demonic activity. And I'm trying not to reveal too much about myself, but in this pandemic, there have been some some surprising self-revelations about mm-hmm. um, things that were in me that I didn't see. It's like, oh, I thought I was more patient. <laughs> I mm-hmm. thought I had more compassion. I thought some things about myself that the squeeze of this moment showed mm-hmm. otherwise. And so I've had to mm-hmm. deal with some unclean spirits of my own. They've been revealed in this season. But the good news is that I don't, I don't deal with them alone. There's the authority of mm-hmm. Jesus. And he is the one who has the authority to say, okay, be quiet, go. Uh, and so mm-hmm. it's, it's in turning to him that I can effectively deal with those. And so that's, that's a, a major component of the sermon um, tomorrow as well. Well, I think you're really right that as, as much as we want to be aware of the externality of things, it's really important that we recognize that it's not just outside of us it's in us as well so that we can i think have a healthy um a healthy suspicion of our own Mm -hmm. feelings actions motives not to not to you know despair or hate ourselves or consider ourselves worthless but also to just say like if i'm filled with rage maybe all of my attention shouldn't go towards the object of that rage but uh, uh toward my own assumptions and presuppositions and entitlements that are filling me with that rage. So mm-hmm. that's really good. Good stuff. And you're preaching about evangelism. <sighs> I am. And I don't even want to talk about it. Okay. Ironically, I don't want to talk about evangelism. I don't want to talk about my sermon about evangelism. I'm like whatever. <laughs> it's not good to try to preach a sermon when you're hitting a wall. It's not good to try to teach a sermon that's really beyond your own comfort level and expertise and what you're doing. Like it's real, I'm in process. One thing that I really do not like about this pandemic is I hate preaching to my own face and a camera. I, I hate not being in the room. I hate preaching without having, you know, 40 minutes of worship with my community in the context of that. That's First, huge. I hate, I just, I hate it, but I, you know, I really hate when there's just a moment 
when like you just got to do it and send it off. And then as opposed to in real life, when you have a sermon and like, whatever, whatever, I know that what's happening in the room is the Holy Spirit, not me, but like, it sure feels like me. Like it's like literally, and it just stinks because in real life, it's just easier to remember that it's not you because you're in the context of this congregation. And there's just a, there's just a reality, um, an awareness of the presence of the Holy Spirit. That is, that, that is really, it's, it's just really, really helpful to put everything in context. And that's just not here in doing this. And it just stinks because, you know, it, it both has already happened and hasn't happened yet. And so if you're not feeling, you know, if you're feeling very human about what you, what, what you have been able to allow God to create through you, then it just, like, I just, whatever, like my poor family, I've just been in a terrible mood. <laughs> it's really struggling. It is what it is. God is good. Um, and whatever. I don't even want to talk about it. That's yes. real. That's well, my pandemic wall. I didn't <laughs> want to talk about it. Well, that, uh, the, the point you made about uh, missing the, the context of worship is so important. I am grateful for uh, the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. While I'm getting ready to record a sermon, like I am, you know, putting on suit, I am setting up camera equipment, I am listening to and singing with the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir just to, in some way, try to um, have this time of worship before I press record to preach a sermon. But it so is that's very really smart. Because what I'm doing is saying, turn that TV down. <laughs> just, oh, no, no, no. I'm just mad. Like no, I wait, messed it no. up this camera. It wasn't fun. It isn't centered right. It's crooked and I can't make that. Like, Listen, just, that's only because you have the wisdom and the discipline to write and record your sermon before Saturday. I am recording my sermons usually around... 10, 11 o'clock at night, sometimes midnight. So <laughs> everyone is in it's bed. Not, it's just that you are doing, you you carry this huge burden for your congregation because you produce the worship service too. And I don't do that. And so like there are other people who can't do their job until I finish doing mine. And so whatever, if this is all boring. It doesn't matter. All I'm saying is I'm not talking about my sermon this week. You can't make me. <laughs> Don't listen to it. Okay, that's it. I'm listen, <laughs> friends, we have, I've talked with Kate about her sermon. It's a great sermon. It's a great sermon. Listen to it and listen to the whole series. It's just the first part in a series on evangelism. It's great. Great. Thanks for listening. We're so glad. Everybody should check out Derrida Presbyterian Church, D-E-R-I-T-A Presbyterian Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Google it. It'll take you to their website or go to the Podbean web uh, app website and download the derida church podcast or worship with them on their youtube channel derida presbyterian church youtube channel the service is usually up like 6 a.m on sunday morning so 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 sit at yolanda's feet and and be fed spiritually and if you want to know more about the grove uh go to thegrovecharlotte.org um, you can find sermons from previous weeks at um, our podcast, which is on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can worship with us on Facebook at 10 a.m. The live stream is fun. 
the service is going to be great. The sermon is going to be mediocre, and that is okay because God can make a donkey talk, and the Holy Spirit is sufficient. And I'm at the wall, but Jesus is here with me. We're done now. We'll talk to you next week.